listening to the Oil & Gas This Week podcast with Mark LaCour and Paige Wilson. This is the show for busy oil pros who quickly want to keep their finger on the pulse of the industry. You're listening to the Oil & Gas This Week podcast brought to you by IBM. This is the show for busy oil pros who want to quickly keep their finger on the pulse of the industry. Thanks, Tucker. And thank you for joining us for episode 276. Hey, before we get into all this, yeah. how about a quick moment of silence for Queen Elizabeth II? All right. Hey, Paige. Yeah? You want to guess how much gasoline was going for when she was coordinated? A dollar. 21 cents a gallon. Oh, we're nowhere near that now. <laughs> no, we're not. Another thing that's coming up, people, is our Energy Continuity Conference in January. It is now open for exhibitors. It's going to be a little bit different for exhibitors. Number one, we're not doing the pay-to-play speaker track, so the exhibitors are going to be the educators and the speakers. Number two is every exhibitor is going to get a podcast episode plus a bunch of other cool stuff. So if you want to come check out what we're doing, if you have your product or service helps companies stay online when things get bad, if you'd like to meet a whole bunch of prospects in one place in one day, go check it out. It's energycontinuityconference.com. If you have any questions, let me know. Happy to see if we can help you. And we got a review. Is that a review or a question? It's a review. It starts as a review. Okay. That's from John Lilly. Paige and Mark, your oil and gas podcast is awesome. Thank you. I am a new listener, and I'm grateful I can learn from the pros like yourselves. I am 66 years old and decided a few years ago to challenge some of my beliefs and see how they hold up. Some have survived, others not so much. I am semi-retired and would volunteer to help with methane leaks. I would be willing to volunteer my time for this battle. Is there a way someone can help with this problem in a volunteer fashion? Unless they want to pay me, LOL. I have reached out to some COS that do capping, but no response. Yeah. So audience out there, if you have any need for some help with methane, methane emissions, tracking, capping, charting, whatever, John's contact, his email will be in the show notes. Reach out to him. Here's somebody with years of experience that just wants to give back. And I think it'd be really cool if somebody or some company or audience could bring him on board and help track some of these methane emissions out there. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's get into the news articles. Luke Oil chairman falls to his death. That's sketchy. <laughs> really? Gonna... <laughs> you don't believe that he actually committed suicide? Mm. <laughs> Let me rattle some stuff off in the same vein. Leonard Schulman, six years old, he was head of transport Gazprom. His body was found on January 3rd in the bathroom, and they said, oh, he committed suicide. Alexander Chodovkov, six-year-old executive at Gazprom, was found dead in his garage. Guess why? Suicide. Hmm. Mikhail Walford, 66-year-old Ukrainian-born businessman, found dead at his property in southwest England. Cause of death? Suicide. Vaskdev Avgov. Holy crap, there are so many in 51 here. 51-year-old ex-vice president of Gazprom Bank, found dead in Moscow apartment, along with the bodies of his wife and daughters. Russian media said that he killed his wife and daughters and then committed Suicide. And I can go on and on. This looks like a Clinton list, bro. <laughs> this is horrible. Don't know what's going on. It is obvious that this is not suicide. You know, 
people in the U.S. and Europe, you get upset because you get a bad performance review at your job. I mean, promise you, things could be way worse than this. I've been there. Yeah, it looks like Reuters is trying to confirm what's happened to these deaths. They've gotten no help. Moscow police is not helping. Luke Oil is not helping. Gazprom's not helping. So you have a bunch of these Russian oil and gas business leaders that in a short amount of time have all committed suicide, and there's just no way that that's legit. So we're going to keep an eye on this story. I suspect, unfortunately, that we'll never know what really went on. Well, obviously not. Obviously not. So, yeah, that's pretty crazy. All right, so let's go on to UK lifts shale gas fracking ban and bid to boost fuel supply. See what happens when your country runs out of energy and your people are cold and hungry and they start walking in the streets? This is their new PM, Liz Truss, announcing that in part of her policies to tackle energy crisis, she's going to lift the ban for fracking. Now, that sounds awesome. And really, audience, it is fantastically awesome. You're going to see much more of this in the next two years. You can see a lot of countries and leaders switch their views on hydrocarbons. There's a few problems with this. Number one, the geology in that part of the world is different. They don't have the shale rock that we have here that will hold fractures open easily. It's a clay, more clay base. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be harder to hold the fractures open. But some smart person, I'm sure, is working on this right now. And just like here, just because they're lifting the moratorium on fracking, it's going to take a year before they start delivering that gas to their people. But it's a step in the right direction. She was actually appointed two days before the queen passed. Yeah, I know. And she's going down this 100% the right way. I don't know her. I don't know of her. But she's going to face a lot of political backlash in the UK, especially. You know, there's so much misinformation about fracking and its supposed contamination of water supplies, the fact that it causes earthquakes, that the hydrocarbons that were released are not good for the planet. And none of that is true except maybe the earthquake park, where that can be measured and mitigated. And let me be very specific here. Fracking does not cause earthquakes. Injecting the produced water in the right geological formations can increase seismic activity. I was wrong about that, and I learned about that a few years ago myself. So there's a whole bunch of stuff going on. The other thing that's not mentioned in this article is that she's also going to open up more drilling in the North Sea. I think that's a better, quicker way to provide hydrocarbons to the UK because that's a tried and true technology. They've done it for years. They shut a lot of it down, but they can bring the expertise back and literally just, you know, a few hundred miles north in Norway, they have all the experts in North Sea they could ever need. So good luck to her with this. It's going to be really interesting to see what happens politically. Especially since King Charles is very anti-oil and gas. Mark my words, audience, he's going to change his views. Watch. He's been such a proponent or opponent of the oil and gas industry for a long time. You watch. I bet he changes his views. Well, so there's that. And then I just, I hope he becomes apolitical because that's how the queen acted. Right. She just tried to stay out of those types of things. And I mean, it doesn't really apply to me, but for the sake of the people. Yeah, and winter's coming, and we're going to get into right. that with some other articles, but it's going to get worse before it gets better. But this is absolutely hats off to Liz Trust for stepping in the right direction. All right. Oil prices hit seven-month low as recession fears weigh on demand. Yeah, so what's happening is we're starting to get the world's supply back to where it needs to be. But now demand is starting to level off and actually go backwards a little bit. A lot of it has to do with the mandatory lockdowns in China over COVID, the large Western economies, uh, U.S. and Europe, are in a recession, and nobody knows if it's going to get worse and better. Unfortunately, I think it's going to get worse. And so all that's affecting the prices of oil. Now, the price is still high. We're still in a good place. You know, We're still above $80 a barrel for everything. Natural gas is off the charts. But we have to see what the future is going to bring. My concern with all of this is that I think we're going to have some Middle East oil come offline. I think you could have more Russian oil come offline because of politics and because of Russia pulling off the market. 
And so I'm afraid we're going to have a spike in prices, which is going to cause everybody to produce more. And longer term wise, it's going to, demand's going to slow down. And I'm worried that we're going to tank ourselves. Yeah, um, that makes sense. Yeah. So I'm keeping a really close eye on this. If that happens, it won't happen till the end of 2023, the beginning of 2024. So we got some time to adapt to this. A lot of it has to do with where the demand's going to go. So, you know, once again, geopolitics is causing the market right now to be a bloodbath. I would not want to be a trader right now. But like I said, we're still, you know, $80 a barrel and above. So we're still in a good, strong place. And the world supply is growing, which in the longer term picture is what we need to have happen. Okay. So United Kingdom's Prime Minister trusts to unleash billions to help with energy bills. Okay. She's between a rock and a hard place. And I think I talked about this months ago, maybe even my predictions. So I'm really worried about Europe this winter, but what I'm super worried about Europe is next winter, right? Mm. So one of the things she's doing is she's taking a lot of money and she's going to cap the price of energy for the citizens. She hasn't decided yet if she's going to do it for corporations. So what's going to happen is if there's a delta between how much you use in your house and how much you'd normally be charged, the government's going to cap that and reimburse the electrical company so the electrical company can stay in business, electrical Mm. or natural gas or steam, so they can stay in business, they can keep providing electricity to the citizens. Now, that's going to do a couple of things. In this type of crisis situation, Europe needs to reduce its use. Well, if the government caps it and government subsidizing it, people aren't going to want to turn their thermostats down to 68, right? Because mm-hmm. there's no penalty for leaving it at 74, right? Right. That's going to erode the natural gas supply much quicker than it would if everybody would back off the use of it a little bit. The other thing is there's no way to fund this other than this is basically going to be a tax somewhere in the future, Right. So somewhere in the future, tax players in the UK are have to pay for this. So it's a temporary break to help them this winter. I'm really worried that if they don't time this just right, because nobody's done this before. Nobody's been in this situation that next winter, they're going to have even less energy supplies they have now. They're going to be paying more in taxes and the cap will have to go away, which means that, I mean, the cap will still be in place, which means that people still be able to use as much as they want. So there's a lot going on here. There's a lot of money. This is almost as much money as they spent fighting COVID. Oh, yeah, it's a lot. Now, one of the cool things is the left-wing party wanted to pay for this by doing something called a windfall tax, which is basically saying, hey, look, if you have an industry that's all of a sudden make a lot of money, we're going to tax you more than we normally would. And what they don't understand is a windfall tax on the oil and gas industry would destroy so many companies. We went a decade without making money. We went a decade with losing money. Mm -hmm. And now that we're making money, we have to get that money back. Right. right? And if you all of a sudden tax us more just because all of a sudden this year we're making money, we haven't in a decade, it's going to destroy the oil and gas industry. And one of the things I'm most fearful of, and we're going to talk about this a little bit later, is that with all this stuff going on, the world's use of hydrocarbons will not disappear. People that want that to happen, I'm sorry, it's not going to happen. The danger is that you put the production of those hydrocarbons outside of the U.S. and Europe and other parts of the world which have less health, safety, and environmental concerns, right? The U.S. produces the cleanest hydrocarbons in the world. Well, if we're not going to ever quit using them, but the laws and costs drive the oil majors out of the U.S. and they start producing in Africa – well, then those hydrocarbons aren't going to be as clean for the environment. And longer term wise, that's something that's really important that a lot of people aren't talking about. The cool thing about this new energy package, it seems like the people that put it together are businessmen and engineers and financial analysts versus politicians. But like I said, this price freeze on energy for the citizens of the UK is going to help them this winter. But longer term wise, they got to figure out how to deal with this. And what they really need 
is they need to come over here to the U.S. and shake some sense in our politicians and let us start supplying Europe with LNG. Yeah. We can fix this for the world. And it would not be that hard. We just need our own politicians to get out of the way. You know what else I read what? today? I believe Switzerland's planning on arresting people if their thermostat is any higher than 66. Doesn't that tell you how scary this is headed? Yeah. Let me tell you what happens with people that get arrested because they can't keep their house as warm as they want to. They revolt. Yeah. They, they all of a sudden, no matter if they voted for that government party or not, all of a sudden they don't want that government party in place anymore, right? Chaos ensues. Chaos ensues, right? I've seen this myself. I watched New Orleans flood and I watch it going from a vibrant city to literally chaos in 48 hours, right? Yeah. Don't think it can't happen to a country overnight. Yeah, that's true. All right, moving on. Putin threatens to let Europe freeze over winter, raising risk of energy rationing. This is war talk, mm. right? And I understand the economics, and there's excuses being made about Nordstrom not being able to supply natural gas right now because of failed compressor. I call bullshit on that. This is Russia going, you know what? I'm going to show you how bad. Let's see who blinks first, Europe. This is at the point where they're already putting stuff in place to ration energy in Europe. People, we don't need this. We live in an energy-abundant world. Think about how it was for your parents. And when you were little, you had more energy. You know what to do with. We have it. This is politics causing Western civilizations, actually causing the world to suffer where it doesn't need to suffer. I don't want somebody's newborn baby to have to worry, not be able to get power for an incubator, right? I don't yeah. want older people to have to worry about freezing to death in their homes. This is crazy. And, you know, Russia is literally saying we will cut off natural gas supplies to Europe unless you meet certain demands. What's going on is Europe is trying to renegotiate some contracts and other countries in support of the sanctions against Russia because of the invasion of Ukraine are putting price caps, which basically means they're saying as a country, if we buy Russian oil, we're not going to pay more than X for it, right? And this has threatened Russia's economy even more than what's already happened to the economy. So this is bad. It's rare. I don't have words to say. We are close to something major happening over this, and it's we're at the beginning of it. It's going to get worse for the next six months as Europe goes through winter. So we got to keep a close eye on this. All I do is I hope and pray that cool heads prevail, and I also hope and pray that Europe and the U.S., if need be, if something bad starts, are able to put it out and snuff it out quickly. One of the things that's going on right now that people aren't talking about is hats off to the Ukraine fighters. Russia's retreating right now in the Ukraine. Good. Yeah. And so – this is probably going to force Russia to broker a treaty with the Ukraine. And at the same time, if that happens, then Russia oil and gas supply should come back online, which may avoid some of the stuff that I'm really worried about. But this is serious stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. BP restarted large crude unit at Whiting, Indiana refinery over weekend. This is awesome. This is over 430 barrels per day of production coming back online in the U.S. For everybody, that means your gas prices in that part of the country should start dropping your gasoline diesel prices since this has been offline. This refinery went offline because they had a fire. And when anytime something like this happens before they bring everything back up, they oh, test yeah. everything. Yeah. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And they actually got it back online much quicker than they said they were, which is a big credit to not only BP, but to all the contractors that poured in and helped them get this thing back online. This is the sixth largest refinery in the United States and the largest in the Midwest. So it's going to really help all the states in the middle of the country with gasoline and diesel oh, good, prices. Good. Yeah. So this is good stuff. Hats off, BP. All right. Baker Hughes consolidates business segments. Yeah. If you read this, they talk about driving efficiencies and energy transition. Let me tell you what's really going on. You look at all the service companies and look at what their stock has done and what their returns have done. <laughs> 
everybody is killing it right now with the exception of Baker Hughes. Interesting. Baker Hughes took a gamble and thought that hydrocarbons would be phased out quicker than everybody else thought they were and that moving over to doing service business with solar and wind was going to come quicker. And mm. they were wrong. They were 100% wrong. That Their happens. stock is tanked. Now, basically, they have to cut costs, and they cut costs by laying people off. So they're calling it a restructuring. It's really a layoff. They need to reduce costs by $150 million by the end of next year. God. Uh, this is going to get rid of a lot of their senior executives, some of the people that have you know run Baker Hughes for 20 or 30 years, a lot of the people that – you know, work there, unfortunately. Are I know a lot of people that work there. Need to deal with layoffs. They're combining business units. And, you know, like I said, Lorenzo, who we haven't had on a show, any of our shows yet, but it's come close, I think, a couple of times, their CEO, he took a gamble. And unfortunately, he made a wrong decision. And now Baker's going to have to deal with it. I do really hope that they maybe take a step back and look at what their competition is doing, which, you know, their competition is doubling down on services in the Permian, doubling down on services on the shelf in Africa and the Middle East. And, you know, go back and bring those businesses back, Baker Hughes. You were a strong contender in, in every place that was producing oil in the world. I get it that you want to move to wind and renewals, right? But when it happens, it's not going to happen tomorrow. And unfortunately, your stock prices paid the price for that decision. Yep. All right. So Exxon Shell close to selling California oil and gas venture area. Do I even need to explain this? <laughs> no, no, I don't think so. I think we all know what's going on in California. Yeah. So once again, because of politics, it is so difficult for any oil and gas company to do business there. They add costs. They have all kinds of restrictions. And so basically, both ExxonMobil and Shell, who have a joint venture in Aurora, has decided, you know, we're out. We're out of California. The assets are on the market. It could go for a pretty penny. I would not buy it because you no. know certainly politically in California. Um, no, they're selling it for a reason. Yeah. Now, remember I talked earlier about my fear of the majors pulling out of the U.S. and Europe, right, because of politics? Mm -hmm. So one of the things that's kind of hidden in this, you read this article. So Exxon has a target of exiting 15 billion assets. So basically, you want to sell $15 billion worth of assets and use that money for something else. They've already said publicly they want to use that money to focus on Guyana, Brazil, and they want to pull out of Texas and Canada and Romania. So they're saying up front, we're starting to pull our operations out of the U.S. And, and take this money and jobs to other countries. This is my big fear, and it's starting right now. So voters in other states other than California, yeah. if there's something on the ballot that hurts the oil and gas industry, I want you to really understand what you're voting for. I'm not telling you which way to vote, but I want you to understand the repercussions of driving that type of prosperity out of your state, driving these jobs, the taxes, the cheap fuels, the cheap electricity out of your state. If we drive enough of this out of enough states in the U.S., we're going to drive them out of the country. This is a genuine fear of mine. It's based on finance and politics, and we can stop this. For Exxon to say they're going to start pulling out of Texas. Yeah, that's kind of that's my – huge, yeah. and, and people don't see this. It's, like I said, it's one thing. It's well, not really, their headquarters is here in Houston. Their history is here in, right. in Texas, you know? So, you know. That's wild. Yeah. So, California, sorry. Deal with the mess that you created. Exxon, please stay in Texas. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right. This is cool. Central African nations enter deal to construct over 4,000 miles of pipeline. 
this is more than cool. This is awesome. Yeah. So this is Equatorial Guiana, Cameron, Gabon, Chad, Angola, Democratic Republic, Congo, and the Congo Republic. Mm. Imagine having two countries next to each other, both the Congo and the name. That has to be confusing. <laughs> well, that's like the Dakotas and the States <laughs> yeah, I know. and Carolinas. And I, and I know the history here. And so what's going on is all these countries have tons and tons of conventional reservoirs of hydrocarbons that are relatively easy to get out the ground. The problem is they can't do anything with it. They can't bring it to market. They can't refine it because they don't have any refineries. They've actually – how crazy is they have all this oil and gas under the ground, but they've been importing gasoline diesel from Russia? That's insane, right? Yeah. So this is almost like a joint venture of all these countries coming together. And not only are they building pipelines, but they're building LNG plants, storage terminals, LNG terminals. All the jobs, three y'all. refineries, natural gas fired electrical generation plants for the population of all their countries. So by working together, they're going to build the infrastructure that Africa seriously needs. Now, the cool thing about this, to Paige's point, this is probably millions of jobs over Oh, absolutely. Years, to build all this and then a whole bunch of jobs to run all this. But now they're going to be independent. Yeah. They're not going to be reliant on Russia or other African countries or the U.S. or Europe. Yeah. I have high hopes for Africa. They will be a shining star in the world's economy. I have no doubt about that. They have issues with corruption. They have issues with military-style political regimes. But yeah. the people themselves are starting to clean this stuff up. And so the memorandum of understanding has already signed for this project. The money's there. The agreement between the countries are there. And let me tell you. You're not going to see any anti-oil and gas activists trying to strike a pipeline in the Congo. You want to tell you what happens? <laughs> Anti-pipeline activists? I, 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 would, I would pay to see that, Mark. <laughs> yeah. So this is going to get done. This is a wonderful, beautiful thing for the people of Africa, and I love it. All right. So Chevron New Energy's Crowley lead first close of Series A funding around for zero emissions industries. So you heard me talk a lot about hydrogen and fuel cells, and I think that's a better fit for electrical cars than actually battery technology. Mm-hmm. It's got to get there. So this is Chevron in the joint venture. Actually, not in a joint venture. It's their venture capital group put money into this, into Pratt and Zia. They're basically building complete turnkey power systems for huge offshore vessels that's going to run off hydrogen through a fuel cell and electric motors. Interesting. You talk about turning the game around. So if you don't know this audience, those big offshore vessels burn something called Bunker C. It is the grossest, most polluting fuel there is. And there's no emissions equipment on those. There's no catalytic converters. There's no lean bird technology. Right. It literally comes out of the engine straight into the atmosphere. It's horrible, right? And there's some changes going on to actually reduce the sulfur content of a lot of those fuels. But that only applies in vessels that operate in U.S. waters. And once you're off, I can't remember what it is, 20 nautical miles, 100 nautical miles off the U.S. coast, you're in international waters, so you can do whatever the hell you want. I thought it was 20. 20, yeah. I'm sure somebody's going to write in and correct me if I'm wrong. Well, that's okay. I said something wrong earlier. I'm sure I'm going to get hate mail for that (laughs) crap, too. But I love this. And so what's really cool about this is they're building it in a configuration that from a size and dimensions-wise is a straight drop-in for diesel, internal combustion engines, and fuel tanks. So literally... You, take, you can retrofit older vessels with this or drop it into newer vessels without doing a redesign. I think this is awesome. I'm very bullish on hydrogen. I mean, I love you, Chevron. I really do. I didn't see this one coming. Would not expect this to come from Chevron. I just think this is really cool. And, you know, we talked earlier about Baker Hughes having to do some reorg. Chevron has done it too, but they didn't do it to save money, although it will save money. They did it because the world is changing and the yeah. way the new business is changing. Mm-hmm. Exxon's done the same thing. Right. So th- I just think it's awesome that they're investing in this type of innovative solutions for marine. I can't wait to see what else they come up with. All right. Well, so Wisconsin judge rules on bridge oil pipeline trespassing on tribal. 
this is a this is a good this is a good story. So this pipeline that was built a gazillion years ago basically runs about 540 barrels per day of crude and refined products from Wisconsin to Ontario, and it's part of Enbridge's mainline network. They signed a treaty a long time ago, and they had a right-of-way, which they paid for, to cross the Bad River tribal land, right? Mm -hmm. So they had an easement. Now, let me make sure you understand this. This means a long time ago, they negotiate with the tribe. The tribe said, yes, you can build a pipeline across this piece of our tribal land. And they actually get compensated for financially from Enbridge, right? So that agreement expired in 2013. Between 2013 and 2019, while they were negotiating a new agreement, Enbridge continued to pay the tribe. In 2019, the tribe filed a lawsuit seeking an injunction that would force Enbridge to quit operating the pipeline because they were worried that it would rupture and leak. Now, in its 27-year history, it's never ruptured or leaked. So what's the freaking problem? What they're doing is they're trying to leverage Enbridge for more uh, money, mm. right? Oh, that's- well, so they brought this to court, figuring the court would favor the injunction and make Enbridge stop moving product, which would have forced Enbridge uh. to pay them more. The judge favored in rule of the trespass claim, but he did not grant an injunction because he said that the shutdown of the pipeline have significant public policy implications, right? Yeah. It would hurt the public. So they're in limbo right now. So let me guess what you want to guess what Enbridge is doing? Still moving product. Yeah, but you want to also doing? What? They're now rerouting that pipeline to go around tribal land. You want to guess how much money once they reroute it? You want to guess how much money the tribes get from Enbridge? Zero. Zero. Right? So learn your lesson, people. Don't leverage people just because you want to try to make more money. You made money off this for years. You would have made money of this forever in the future. That money would have went to schools and education, hospitals for the tribe. But because you got greedy. Wow, the balls. Yeah. Enbridge is going to spend the money to go completely around your tribal land. And let me tell you something else. They're still going on somebody's land, which means somebody else this is going to get, get paid that you were getting. So I hope you learn your lesson that this is bad business. And this is what happens when you do bad business. Man, man. Good on that judge, though. Very good on the judge. All right. So this is my favorite. So I saved it for last. Californians told not to charge their electric cars days after gas car sales ban. You can't make this stuff up. California, but then you I, can't you, charge it. You're one of the most beautiful <laughs> states in the country. I don't know what's going on with y'all. This is insanity. So you've passed measures that by 2035, internal combustion engines are banned in California. That is not going to work. It's just not going to work. There's no way you can make that work. And the day after you ask people not to recharge their electric vehicles because you don't have enough electricity because your infrastructure not only isn't robust enough, but you don't have enough generating capacity. What's going to happen if everybody could have electric cars? But, but 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 here's the thing, Mark. There were concerts. There were football games. All of those. You're not conserving energy by doing that, but the public has to. Yeah, it's just a nothing mess. makes sense over there. So, you know, and it's some of the stuff I've seen on social media is hilarious, especially from politicians from other states. Gavin Newsom is, I think, definitely going to try to run for president. He has zero chance, but it's stuff like this. Well, just, if, you know, enough people have a brain. Yeah, he has no chance. Well, it just makes absolutely no sense. And the amount of money that is being wasted there at a time where there's so much a huge problem with homelessness, with drugs and everything else in California, and nothing against drugs, but, you know, when people misuse them and you see people shooting up, you know, heroin in the street like Paige and I have seen. That yeah, outside, have outside of Bloomingdale's. Outside of Bloomingdale's. And it was a rest-free zone. Yep. So it was an area, it's literally painted lines on the sidewalk in California where the police can't arrest you if you're shooting up heroin. Let's get, if you want to shoot up heroin, I'm totally fine with that. <laughs> that should I'm tell not. you something. I'm not. 
Anyway, um, bad. nothing else, California. Not only are you beautiful, but you provide tons and tons of entertainment and amusement to us here over at OGGN. Well, I think most of the country thinks it's hilarious. But anyway. All right. Advertise with us, people. Dirt cheap and it works. Go to OGGN.com forward slash price and see the rates and get a mid-roll spot. And this show, I mean, imagine having 1.7 million people listen to your advertisement on this show. Yeah. Or you can get advertised on any of our other shows, right? So reach out if you want more details of the pricings on the website, which, by the way, people, all of our pricings on the website. We're very transparent with that. We drive great value for the dollars that companies spend with us, and we're proud of it. And so we put it on the website for everybody to see. Speaking of everybody to see, what is going on with the weekly rig count? All right, we're at 759, so we're only down one. But guess what the change was from last year? What? 256. That's amazing. That's incredible. So Canada's down three at 205. Internationally, we're at 860, and we're up 27. Love it. It's going to go up even higher. I know. You know the deal. Go to LinkedIn. Find our page. Join it. Then if you want to ask a question, first Friday Q&A, either go to OGGN.com or oilandgasthisweek.com. Both of them have a place for you to ask a question. If we use your question on there, you get a big shout out. Monthly events email. That's also free. It's also in the show notes. If you want myself or your experts to come and do a live podcast at your company event, at your happy hour, at a conference, at your graduation, at your car race, whatever, reach out to me. We'd be happy to share the details. And then, like I said, if you want to ask a question, first Friday Q&A, do it. We've actually had a big uptipping question since last time we talked about it. And we've had a lot of people ask us to do a weekly show just with the questions. So we need about twice as many questions as we're getting now. But what's cool is before this, we need it four times as many. So it's yeah. working. Y'all are submitting enough questions. And by the way, if you want to ask a question about finding a spouse or something, we're not going to read those on the air. So don't even submit No, those. not unless Mark puts it in there and makes <laughs> me read it. <laughs> we had to do it one time just so I could explain it, people. <laughs> All right, ready to get out of here? Yes. Remember, folks, do great work, pay it forward, and we will see you next time. Tune in next week for another informative and entertaining episode of Oil & Gas This Week Podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.